won a few regional titles, won IBF, WBO, on then tours, got world rankings in them, um, them in the IBF and the WBO. Just after I retired from boxing, I lost myself a little bit. I didn't know what to do with myself. When I went down there, I found a, a, I found a new sense of brotherhood. And a, at that point, I would have done anything for the club. I would have died for the club. In the end, I ended up going to jail for the club. As you know, it, it always ends up bad. You end up dead. You end up in jail. And any, any young kid that can avoid going down that path or to a bikey lifestyle, avoid it. All that talk to my gang pulled up, we pull up and they all did. Alright, yo, it's your boy King Dave here, and this is the Fallon Show. How about you introduce yourself, brother, and where you're from? Uh, hey, brother, it's good to see you on an outside setting. Uh, my name's Johnny Walker, and I'm, I'm from the western suburbs of Melbourne in uh, Hoppers Crossing. The western suburbs of Melbourne. Johnny Two Guns Walker right here, man. Um, we've actually um, done a bit of time together over there at um, Port Phillip through Charlotte, Borrowdale. I think we were at the back units for a little bit there as well. Uh, so I got to know this guy. We've well, just done almost eight years, isn't it, brother? So he's only been out for yeah. a little over a month now, isn't it, brother? I mean, fuck, how's freedom, man? It's good, bro. It's di it's different. It's uh, um, it's a lot different to what it was before I got locked up, you know? Um, obviously, my head's in a different place and obviously I've got different uh, goals in life now. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot different. Um, first week of being out was a spin-out, you know? Like, after a couple of days, I, you know, I was nearly thinking I wanted to go back, you know, because everything just changed out here. Like, just with social media and smartphones, everything was just so much different, you know. Just catching up with family and that, yeah, just, just, you know, what I mean. But now, now I've now I've settled. I'm, I'm, you know, back in the motion of being out here in, you know, in the real world, you know. Oh man, that's awesome to see, brother. And you're looking good, brother. You're looking fit. You're looking sharp, man. So it's. It's, a, Thanks, it's good to hear, man. So, um, yeah, Johnny Two Guns Walker here. So, like you said, man, from the western suburbs of Melbourne, um, former boxer, um, mad boxer, you know, held a few belts there as well. Um, former uh, motorcycle club member as well. He was a member of the Banditos, made it to the Sergeant at Arms there, um, which we'll touch on in a, a little bit. Um, were you born in Melbourne, brother, or did you grow, grow up out there in western, uh, western Melbourne? Yeah, brother. I was born. I was born in uh, Williamstown Hospital back in 1982. Um, yeah, mum bringing. You know, I had mum, dad, two young, two younger brothers. Um, we. I grew up down in a uh, place in the western suburbs called Newport. Um, yeah, that's you know that was the stomping grounds, Newport, Altona. I'm not going to say we we're bad kids. You know what I mean? But um, you know, we just we did we did what we did and. That was just that was just a way of the Western suburbs, you know. We we you know we probably grew up a bit different to uh, kids elsewhere, you know. what I mean, um, a lot of broken homes and that sort of thing. But um, I mean, my family, my my mum and dad were together, and um, but we just um, you know I got in, I got into the, obviously the boxing and that, the kickboxing at a young age. Obviously, but my dad was always in, my dad was always my dad bounced his whole life. So he's always he was always involved in the boxing gym, a Footscray boxing gym back in the day. And um, for me, so he, you know, obviously being his eldest son, it was a it was a big pride thing, you know, make sure I knew how to look after myself. So uh, you, you, even as a young kid, six, seven, he always had me on the pads, holding the pads for me, teaching me how to throw my punches. And um, probably uh, ten years old, I started uh, kickboxing with, with a. With a kickboxing group down in um um uh, Willie North Williamstown, and um uh, with George Costa and that and uh, George Regulus, they used to run a gym down there. So I started with him when I was ten, and uh, probably did that till I was probably about twelve, thirteen. But back 
back in them days, uh, Dave, you couldn't, um, when you were kickboxing, they didn't really have, um, you couldn't fight as a kid. They didn't really have an amateur setting for young kids. So obviously, I, you know, I got, got bored of that. And obviously at 13, 14, started hanging around, you know, at school, making a bit of trouble, hanging around boys, hanging around train stations, doing whatever we do. And then um, obviously, so then once I got to 14, 15, obviously I was, kick, I was kicked out of school young, started an apprenticeship and my dad, you know, my dad thought, you know, if you if you're gonna fight, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take you to a boxing gym where you know you can be around real men and you know, if you if you know, if you think a bit of yourself that you know, he sort of he done it as a test for me, you know, get get me into a boxing gym and obviously, you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna wear you're gonna wear just as many as you give, you know. So I done that and that's that's how that's where it all started back then when I was fifteen years old, fourteen years old. So probably the early years of my boxing career as an amateur from fifteen to say uh 18, you know, I mean, I, I, was, I train every day, but obviously on weekends, I'll be out with the mates, partying, girls, doing, you know, doing the normal thing that you do at that age. Um, the, the boxing probably, I, I probably didn't start taking my boxing career serious, like obviously trained that whole time, but didn't start taking it serious probably till I was about 19, 20. And obviously then had a real crack in the amateurs, uh, won a few state titles and that sort of thing. And then we turned, we turned professional at the age of 23, um, under uh, Kevin Hargraves and Mick Hargraves out in Port Melbourne. And um, that's obviously, that's when, with my boxing career, that's that's pretty much where I put everything, nothing come before it. It was just boxing, boxing, boxing. Um, I take a lot of time off work for, you know, competing and that sort of stuff. I put, obviously I had a, at the time I had a young family. Now my son, my son was born when I was uh, 24. And so, yeah, I put boxing. Boxing was my world, world bro. I, I mean, um, I put everything. Nothing come before my boxing, you know. What was your plans with boxing, brother? Were you sort of planning to take on the world, man, and, and you know, fight, keep fighting on the world stage, and, and go that way? Yeah, well, yeah, well, like I said, once I hit, like once I got to my early twenties, you know, that's when I, I'd obviously been doing it for five, six years by then in the amateurs, and once we turned professional, I mean, like I said, I put every, I put everything to my boxing. We won a few regional titles, won IBF, WBO, on then tours, got world rankings in them, um, in them, in the IBF and the WBO, and then we got an opportunity in uh, 2009 to fight um, a bloke called Nishi from Japan, who was a well-known boxer, and he he fought the likes of Anthony Mundine, Marcus Bayer, he fought some big names, and we fought him for a world title, for a UBC world title, which is a bit of a Mickey Mouse world title, but. We also fought for the WBO Oriental title, which was a top 10 world ranking in the WBO at um, Cruiserweight, which at the time, Roy Jones was number one. So we fought um, we fought Nishi and it, went over, it was a 12-round fight and we won, we won that fight on points. Probably the hardest fight of my life. And um, at, that, at that time, I probably was going through a bit of turmoil in my life and um, had, a, had a relationship breakdown and... And my son was obviously uh, getting a bit older, and so after after that world title fight in two thousand nine, that's when I caught I caught it quits with boxing. And um, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. When you say that, I did. I, yeah, I was I was obviously aiming for you know as, to get as high as I could get. But um, time, once we got there, and we had once I've had that top ten world rank in the WBO, and we won that UBC world title. Um, I sort of by that time I was twenty. I was twenty eight, turning twenty nine. I'd had enough. You know what I mean? I'd 
I've been doing it since I've been doing it since 15. I mean, the dieting, the what you've got to put into the training and the dieting and the the, the fam like put my putting my family second second, which caused the you know a relationship breakdown. All right, brother. Well, I guess you know going back a little bit again. Um, well, how did the sort of motorcycle um, club scene um, enter the picture for you, brother? Was that just something that you grew up around as well, or? No, I never, I never grew up around it. Like a, a lot of a lot of blokes I knew from the western suburbs. Um, a lot of blokes were that I knew from like, probably the older crew. A lot of them boys were down at the Bandidos MC. They were already, they were down there already. Um, obviously, I, I knew of them being there during my whole boxing career through the two thousands and that. When we got to 2009 and I fought that world title fight and um, then I then I sort of walked away from I was after that fight, obviously started partying a bit, girls, this. Obviously, as I said, I had a relationship breakdown around that time. That's when um, one of the boys, one a close friend of mine that was down at the Bandidos at the time invited me down there and I started hanging around down there on Friday nights and like seeing what was going on down there and they said, oh, you know, you, do you want to jump on? Well, at that at that point, obviously, for you know a good majority of my life, I'd been in boxing gyms, and I always had a team around me, which was a bit of a sense of a brotherhood. So I had that I had that brotherhood around me all the time with the boxing. And when I when I went down the, like the first night, first couple of times I went down there for the first time after retiring from boxing, because after I retired from boxing, I lost myself a little bit. I didn't know what to do with myself. I went from training three times a day, having dietitians around me, um, strength coaches boxing coaches, I had these people around me. And when once we'd caught it quits and my trainer said, you know, I think that's it for you, I, I was sort of lost. I didn't know what to do. So when I went down there, I found a I found a new sense of brotherhood and a you know, like people around me and like we had the same interests and obviously we grew up in the same like, you know what I mean, like people like people can say what they want about bikies or whatever, but you know what I mean, like when you know, when when things are good and you're having fun and you're around a you're around a group of blokes that are you know, all got the same thing in common and, and you know, showing each other love. It, it took me back to my boxing. So because I didn't have that anymore, I, I found I found a place at the Banditos, you know, and that's um that's pretty much how it kicked off, bro. It's just um just that brotherhood, you know. That brotherhood I didn't have anymore, I, I found it again, you know. And obviously growing up in the West Side, we always rode our dirt bikes. So I, I love riding bikes and that too. So I was I was in, I was into my Harleys, I was into my bikes, so it was it was just a it was just a given, you know. We used to get around our dirt bikes in the western suburbs around the roads like like all bikies anyway, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? ride your ride your dirt bike to the local kebab shop, get a kebab and ride home, you know. So <laughs> it was just the it was just the normal, you know. So when I went down there, yeah, just I, I just I just fitted straight in, you know, and I, I knew a lot of I knew like I said, I knew a lot of the boys down there. So So um well can you touch on at all um about, you know, how long how long were you nomming for and until you till you got your patch and things like yeah. that yeah yeah so um um i didn't i didn't prospect for very long i um sort of worked my way up pretty quick um probably i'll i'll i know say like over a over a 12 month period i was probably just over a 12 months yeah probably 12 months i was um already full patch and then um yeah i got a i got i got the opportunity to become sergeant arms down there and um, obviously, you know, you know, I was pulling my weight and uh, doing the right things by the club. And for me, at that time, it was all club, club, club. You know, the, the same dedication I put into my boxing, I put into the club. The club come first, and my brothers come first, and 
nothing would have come between that. You know what I mean? I, I would have done anything. You know, at that point, I would have done anything for the club. I would have died for the club. In the end, I am going to jail for the club. So, I mean, at at, at that point, yeah, it was, you know, it was my life, and that's that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. That was my that that was my future. That's 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 what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an outlaw bikey, and I wanted to be the best at it I could. You know, just like I did in my boxing career. So, when I had the opportunity to become sergeant sergeant arms of the Melbourne chapter of the Banditos, I took it. You know, I took it with open arms, and um, you know, I did the best I could of doing it and representing that patch and. Represent my brothers, and I, I was big on that, you know. What was it like, man, getting that, um, getting that patch? I mean, it's a, it, you know, it's a like in in that world, it's a, you know, it, it, when you're when you're in that world, and um, it's a, you know, it's it's probably one of the best things you can be asked to do, you know, to be, you know, sergeant of your of your chapter, sergeant of your brothers, you know, what I mean, um, yeah, you. you yeah, it's massive, brother. In in that world, like yeah, for me at that time, that was that. For me at that time, getting that getting that sergeant arms patch, it, it was as as glorified to me as winning a world title in boxing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was it was massive, brother. You know what I mean? So to you know to to know that you know I got all these soldiers under me and I'm their I'm their big brother and I'll do anything for them. They'll do anything for me. It's a it's a good feeling, bro. Did any of your like past friends on the the boxing scene? Did they were they t- um, telling you at all to stay away from that or like anything like that? Yeah, so and like, like come back to boxing and yeah, like so, like obviously when I first joined up with the Banditos and obviously uh, people like people that were cl- obviously I didn't hang around boxing before I was a before I was one, and um, obviously my life was boxing, boxing, boxing. So everyone promoters, I was close with. A lot of people reached out to me and said, you know, you know, make sure, you know, don't, you know, don't go doing nothing stupid, don't get getting yourself locked up, and you know, what I mean, you know, it's not for you, you know, you know, come back to the boxing gym, help train the boys, this and that. But I, by that time, by by the time people were reaching out to me and trying to get me away from that, I was probably I was already in too deep, and I, I'd already I'd already made my mind up. Once I make my mind up, that's that's what I'm going to do, you know. So a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot of this. Uh, my my ex my ex partner once said something to me that like still sticks with me now. She says that she said that um she said joining this club will not only not only fuck your life, it will fuck our family. You know what I mean? And I look back now and I think, well, she was probably right. She was right to the T. You know. Bro, can you touch on at all about you know things that you were getting involved with during this um during this time? I mean, it doesn't always reflect on the whole club, does it? I mean, not every um bikey it does is involved in crime some just go along for the brotherhood like you said and the motorcycle uh motorcycle riding and all of that but i mean can you touch on at all the stuff that you were getting involved with like yeah i mean um well obviously you know we we ended up we ended up in uh i ended up in jail for you know um for a, a bad assault that happened in the clubhouse so i mean i mean think things things like that you know, it was a, it was a, it was an everyday thing. You know, what I mean, you you did what you had to do, and you know, what I mean, and like I said, when you went, when you were in that patch, and when you're in that frame of mind, it's, you know, anyone that disrespects you, disrespects the colours, disrespects the club, disrespects the name, you, you sort of got to stand up, and you, you know, you pretty much just got to do what you got to do. So I mean, I've seen assaults. I've, I mean, I've, I've you know, I've, I've been, I've been involved in a lot of shit. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, bro, it's just fucking. 
Yeah, I checked it when I when I look back when I look back now, like the frame of mind I'm in now, where I want to change my life, I want to be there for my son. I want to, when I look back at the, the things that were going down, and obviously I, I was there. One of my best mates got shot out the front of the clubhouse. Um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, bro, it's, it's you know things were it was hectic. Yeah, man. Yeah, Best way to explain it, you know, definitely without dangerous. going too much into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dangerous lifestyle for sure. Um, yeah. Well, you know, fast forwarding a bit, brother. So you ended up landing in prison, man. Um, how was that for you, man? Um, you know, did it take you through to the sub and and all of that? Was it and the whole through to the map and how, how was that experience? Yeah. How was that experience for you? Yeah. So um, obviously we got. Um, we got we got arrested early January 2015. Yeah, they they got me from a place they got me from a place in the western suburbs where I was staying. Um, obviously, you know they come heavy handed. They come, you know, as they do. Listen, end of the day, we you know I, I sort of uh, eight months after the incident that happened in the clubhouse, that's when they arrested us. You know what I mean? So for that eight months, I was I was on edge, and I I, I knew that time you know time was ticking. You know they were coming. Well, well, how was that? How was that eight months for you, man? Yeah, just hectic, bro. Just paranoid and not much, not much sleeping going on, and um, you know, just um, obviously, no one knew what had what had occurred in the clubhouse. I mean, yeah, you know I mean, the the club knew nothing of it, and it, it wasn't like it wasn't nothing like that. It was just uh, obviously me, me and my two coies that knew what happened. So it was um, it was hectic, bro. You know, so when they, you know, they come and got us that Thursday morning, and then obviously took us to the Jack shop and then put us in the sub. We're in the, we're in the sub. We're in the sub under the court there for um, I think about ten days. We're there. Putrid, putrid conditions, as you know, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, we're there. And then we obviously from there we went to the map, the Melbourne Assessment Prison, and that that was my intro- introduction to to the jail life. You know, and I, I was lucky. Obviously, when I when I hit the jail system, I like I said, I had a lot of friends that I've grown up with and. Uh, a lot of blokes that I knew. There, at that time, there wasn't many. There wasn't many um, outlaw bikies in jail. No, there wasn't. But um, obviously, I knew I knew a lot of I knew a lot of the boys. So when I hit, when I hit the map, I you know I knew a lot of blokes from growing up and a lot of blokes that I've been knocking around with, obviously in the scene and that. So I mean, isn't the introduction wasn't good, but I probably I probably took it a bit better than others, you know. Yeah, well, even like you said, eh, bro. At that time when you guys came in, man, there wasn't a lot of um. Like he's in in the prison system, wasn't it? Well, compared to now, I hear that there's heaps now. Huh? Yeah, now, like yeah, look, yeah, that's what I said. Like the, I mean, back when I go back to two fifteen, there was hardly any bikies. I mean, mm-hmm. you get a lot of blokes going to jail and patching up with bikey clubs. Yeah, but at the time, actually, full patch members that were in jail, there wouldn't have been many. You know, with that, like three of us were arrested the same day, and we were in the system, and probably the map with us. I reckon there was maybe one or two more that were. Yeah. That were legit patch members of uh, outlaw bike clubs. Um, well, because you guys were pretty much, from, you guys were pretty much the face of the banditos when you guys came in. You guys were pretty much holding the club in the system, weren't you? Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, like we said, like you know, um, us, uh, you know, me and my two coies, obviously, when we're on the outside, we represent the club to the best we could, and that was our life. And I, and I can say that for my two coies too. That that's how they represent the club too, and then. Obviously, when we hit the when we hit the prison system, we we had that same attitude, you know. We had the the same uh, attitude where you know, you know, if you don't like us, well, you know, let us know and we'll do what we got to do, you know. But um, so yeah, we were we were the face of the banditos in in the 
prison system because before us, not before us, not probably not many um not many um banditos had, had you know hit the prison system. You know, one or two here and there. But lo- like you said before, in outlaw bike clubs, I mean, they're not. I mean, everyone looking out that doesn't know looks at them like they're criminals, and everyone's doing something wrong. I mean, that's not the case. You know what I mean, that's um well, it's definitely not the case. You know what I mean, like people. There's people there just like riding bikes. There's people there that hold. I mean, ninety percent of them hold day jobs. Um, if you if, even even today, like there's now obviously, like you said, there's a lot more bikies in the system today. But how many legit bikies? I don't know. I mean, there's, the the blokes that go in there with the blokes that go in there with a the patch on, obviously, are legit ones. And then you get a lot of a lot of young kids trying to find their feet in prison. Obviously, end up joining them. You know, so. There's still the the percentage. Of, I couldn't tell you what the percent is of our little bikies in prison, but it's it's definitely not it's definitely not high of legit patch members. You know. Yeah, yeah, because it's a fine line, isn't it? Because like you said, yeah, you get a long a lot of young boys that do want to jump on board in prison, but I mean, um, with particular clubs as well, you can't even join whilst in prison. You know what I mean? So they can get trapped that way as well. I, I've seen boys get trapped that way, you know, sort of wanting to jump on board inside, and it doesn't end up doesn't end up working out or they don't even get put on the book some of them like yeah it's a, it's a yeah. fine line yeah that's right it's just it's it, like, like i said it's just, it's just young you choose your young blokes trying to find their feet in prison and then like you know they, they they see they see a strong presence there from a club or whatever i mean even even us as banditos obviously we'll, we'll at poor philip for a lot of we'll at poor philip for a lot of our time too and uh in the swallow unit yeah and um obviously you know we, we had a strong presence around us of you know, not blokes that were not blokes that were wanting to join up, or I don't, I don't know what their aim was, but we had, a, you know, we had a we had a very strong crew down there, a lot of boys around us, and I mean, everyone would just think they're banditos, but they probably they weren't actually banditos, but they were just close friends and you know brothers in the in the prison system, you know. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So I think that like a lot of people think that there's like when you when you hit the jail system and you and you got like you know you got um. You got Fishburne with the Comancheros, Banditos in Swallow, and then you got Rebels in Wax. I mean, there might be a couple patch members in them units, but then they'll have like, you know, obviously they'll have a crew of probably 10, 15 people around them. Everyone just suspects their members too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's what it, you know, you know what it's like in prison. You, you do what you gotta do, you know, and that's obviously what people are doing. Yeah, but like yeah, for sure. Well, um, so yeah, so well, how me and Johnny here met, man. So we ended up meeting in Charlotte there. Um, for those that don't know, that's the high security unit in um, Port Phillip, that's solitary. Um, we're also in Borrowdale together, which is like another, well, they call it the slot there. So we're in the slot together in uh, Borrowdale as well. And then, yeah, when you guys were in Swallow, we were all in uh, Gorgon there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, man. So, I mean, you didn't t- really take a back backward step when you came to prison as well. I mean, um, Obviously, you know, you, you found yourself at MRC, which landed you in Charlotte. So can you run into what happened there, brother? So you were involved in the the, the big riot that happened there. Oh. Yeah, so uh, that, that's 2.15, obviously. At the time, they'll oh, so you away, had just uh, come in, huh? Yeah, so I was, I was probably, uh, by that time, uh, so I was probably four or five months into my prison. Uh, I, was into, uh, on, on, I was on remand. I was five months in. With MRC, and obviously they're taking the smokes away, and obviously you know uh, no no one was happy about them taking smokes away, especially when you know out here it's not it's not it's not a drug, it's it's something you can go buy from the milk bar, you know. So when they were sort of taking that away, you know, obviously boys weren't happy. 
obviously me me new to the prison system at the time. Um, you know the the boys the boys you know were gathering and saying we're gonna have a, we're gonna protest this and we you know we're gonna get our smokes back this and that. So obviously you know we just went you know everyone pretty much everyone just went for the ride. You know I mean I, it, it started off it started off as a, a protest and a standoff with the or as you know with the um, security of the um, the the guards and it started yeah, off as a standoff. The SSG and the- yeah, the SSG and that start, it started off with a standoff with them. Uh, obviously, no one was we didn't go in for muster and it sort of just uh, escalated, you know. And um, I mean, I don't think anyone there that day knew the extent that it would go. Obviously, when the process started and we're not mustering up, and then we wouldn't let them count us, so they couldn't they couldn't get a head count. And obviously, it's gone over their muster time, so they they had to do something. And obviously, by that time, it had gathered momentum, you know. I mean, and and prisoners were coming through fences and. Obviously, at uh, MRC, you got all different yards. B, you got two B yards, you got A yard, you got C yard, and by this time, A yard and the other, and the other B yard, and I was in B, B yard with Bowbridge. By this time, the the fences had been damaged, and prisoners could get into every yard. So by that time, it you know it grew momentum, and the officers obviously retreated out the front of the prison. There was no there's no guards in the prison no more. The fences were the fences were damaged. Everyone was together, and it just it just went it just went mayhem from there, bro. Just fucking free range for probably six to eight hours in the prison with no officers at all, and blokes were getting cut out of their cells, and people had grinders, and it was out of control, bro. You know, so they come and they come and got us. Um, they come and got us like ten deep from uh, one of the cells at um, MRC. Obviously, um, it was a, it was a good. Th- I thought it was a good thing at the time because at, at the time, obviously, they hadn't they, had, they didn't have many cells left at MRC, and they so I was in a I was locked down in a two hour at MRC. I, I think there was like five prisoners. There was five of us in the two hours. I heard it was putrid, eh, man. Like after that, they had people five out and two outs, and you know some had like eight prisoners, ten prisoners in one cell. That's right, bro. It was putrid, bro. No no running water, no toilets. Toilets have been broken. There was no running water. The whole, the whole. I was on. I was in a cell in um, uh, in Bellbridge on the bottom on the on the bottom floor, and the, the whole thing was flooded. So they had like five. They had five or six. But I can't remember now what it was. There was a few of us in there, and um, obviously we'll you know we'll run the muck. You know what I mean, obviously there was a, that was the worst conditions ever. Uh, we didn't get fed for two days. Obviously, so we're playing up, and then obviously the SCSG come down from Port Phillip and tackled me out of there and took me out of there. And they shackled me, handcuffed me, that straight straight to um, Charlotte to the spine, where you know that's uh, as you know that's LOPs, no TV, no nothing. Um, so they took me straight in there with um, shackles on, handcuffed, and I was on I was on shackle regime, and I was on shackle regime and handcuff regime pretty much the whole time I was down there. When I was uh, in the cell, I thought, Fuck, no wonder they call it poor putrid, you know? This is putrid, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, that, that I mean, I stay. You like uh, you meant to, like they told me I'd do twenty eight days there. I ended up doing longer because we played up a little bit down there. Obviously, new to the system and that, you just think, you know, this can't, this can't be what it is, you know. So, played up a little bit down there, and uh, I end up doing. I think just under two months, I end up doing in the spine, and uh, as you know, you get that little run out, you get the run out in that shitty little yard in the spine there, and they don't take the shackles I, off you. I did it a couple of times. I went out there for just a bit of fresh air to get out of the cell, 
And obviously, you can talk to them. You know, they got two they got two yards there, so you get that's where you get to have a yarn with a couple of the boys. And so I'd go out there. I went out there probably in that in that two months I was down there. I reckon I probably ran out five times because I thought, you know, I felt they'll you know putting us on show by having me out there in shackles and handcuffs, probably you know looking at the camera laughing as we're waddling along with our shackles on. You know. Yeah, I mean, in the, I yeah, I didn't even take, I didn't take the run outs down in the, yeah. I didn't even take the run outs in the end. No, of the not, spine, not no, many, man. not many people do, man. Yeah, down the spine. So yeah, that's the LOP section of um Charlotte, and yeah, you get an hour out of yourself. But, I mean, most people don't even take it, and then they do it first thing in the morning because they know people are gonna say no as well. You know what I mean? So they right. do it first thing in the morning so that they don't have to walk out of their box and you know yeah. <laughs> and get yeah. people out of their out of their cells because they're lazy down there eh, bro? <laughs> oh, they're bad lazy, bro. as low as low point as you can be in a in a putrid situation i mean all the all, you know all the mainstream prisoners are down there obviously you get a lot of protection prisoners down there too but all the mainstream prisoners you know they all they all they all come together and we sit at our doors yelling at our doors having a laugh and Throwing the fishing line, yeah, you know, whatever that, you know, you, it's, it's funny because when, when I look back on it now and you, you think about the hard days you have on the outside and you look back to them days, you think nothing gets harder than that, you know, but at the time, you, you just deal with it, bro. And, you know, you know yourself, you just deal with it and you got good boys around you and, and everyone's in the same position. So it doesn't matter, it, it, you know, it, it usually for me, it didn't matter what gang you're with or who you're running with or what colour you were, bro. Everyone got along, bro, and that, and that and that's pretty much how I did my whole jail sentence anyway, bro. You know, so I mean, we had, you know, yourself, we had some good laughs down there in in Charlotte. Yeah, you know? we, we had, had some, some good, good laughs, laughs alright. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy, man. I mean, civilians, yeah, man. Like, you know, that's obviously our experiences of of what it was, man. But I mean, um, the reality is, man. You know, it is for the strong-minded, mate. You know what I mean, but. The week do fold down there, mate. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's people that yeah. lose their minds down there, man. Um, yeah. There's people that get burnt all night long, mate. You know, if, yeah. you come, if you come through there and there seems to be a stain on your name, mate, or anything like that, you won't be sleeping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, you know what I mean? That, that, they, they say, and it's true, you know, if, if you're going to get found out, you're going to get found out in the shower. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. if, you're gonna, if you're going to get found out for the wrong things, that's where you're going to get found out, you know, but. I mean that, and and for for us boys when we were down there, that's our entertainment. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's the thing, man. Yeah, you get a couple yeah. of protection prisoners there, and that was our entertainment. You know, burn them all night, or I mean, we didn't have much down there. You know, you got your you got your one phone call, and so that, that's that's what we did, bro. And you know, and and I look back on my I look back on my time in Charlotte, and as putrid it was, but I met a lot of good boys down there, including yourself yeah. and a lot of the other boys. I, I met, you know, I met a lot boys. of good boys, and obviously I was still new to the system. You know, so. For me, it was a good introduction, I think, to like you know, I, I I'll never I'll never go back to prison again. And, you know, my life's obviously changed now. But if I had to, if if it had to happen again for a first time, that I think that was the best introduction I could get because obviously the time I done in Charlotte, then went to Borodown, and then obviously got out to the back units. When I got out to the back units, it was like freedom, bro. So yeah, man. I mean, going from there, brother. So how was your the 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 rest of your leg in there, brother? Um... You know, obviously, you know, you've done almost eight years, but a long time. So, yeah, how was your, how was your time in there, man? What did you do, sort of do to get by and what prisons? And um, Yeah, so obviously, yeah, like, like we just touched on, I was in Charlotte for the 20 months, went out to, uh, went to Borodow. That was good, obviously. Um, uh, you start running out with people in, um, in uh, Borodow and, you know, had a, had a couple of good mates there, a couple of good friends, so we're boxing there in Borodow. Then, 
from Borodale. I think I did three months in Borodale before they finally cleared me. And they took a long time to clear me. And I think it was because of, there was at the time there was a lot of stuff going on with the in the bikey world and this and that. And they'd always have their doubts about letting me out. And and because obviously, obviously when you when you first come to prison, that's when they usually find you out and see see who you're friends with, see who you're not friends with. But because I was only at MRC for that few months, and then obviously done most of my time in management. They, they obviously didn't they didn't have their feelings out on me much. They didn't know who I was friends with. They didn't know who I wasn't friends with. So they were, they were worried about putting me out the back. And, and there was tension. There was high tensions in the bikey world on the outside at that time. So that's why I think it took me so long to get me cleared. But once I got cleared, I went out to Swallow with the rest of the uh, Bandito boys. And obviously my co-in that were there. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it was for me, like I said, it was like freedom, bro, going out there, having cook-ups and, I mean, you you just you just cooking shitty eggs and salami, but <laughs> it was a joke. at that time, bro. After being in the slot with the shit yeah. food that the officers give you down there, it, it, you yeah, know, it was a godsend, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. I went from went to Swallow, and then from um, obviously we've done our time at Swallow, and then uh, at in, an incident happened at uh, Port Phillip with um, obviously the Banditos and Comancheros and. So we all obviously all got Shanghai back to Charlotte. Yeah, and been out the slot for that long either, eh, bro. No, I hadn't been out there for that long, bro. Um, probably six months. Yeah, bro, that's that man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably just yeah, probably not. Probably just under six months. And then that kicked off. And at that, the day that kicked off, I was actually at court, and um, I come back from court, and I roughly knew what was happening because it was obviously put over the news. And when I was sitting in the cells at the court waiting to go in to get sentenced, um, I sent to come up, you know. I ended up going to Margany and that's how I got my foot in the door. And I really, because if we go back three months before that, before the incident happened at Port Phillip, we were all trying to get to Margany. And SMU were telling us we had no chance to get to Margany. So obviously to get that opportunity to go to Margany, I don't think it would have happened any other way. So obviously yeah. I got my I got my foot in the door at Margany and you know, pulled my head in a bit. And obviously then the boy the boys ended up following me there not long after, you know. So Obviously, even even at Marguerite, you know, when I first got to Marguerite, I had to walk on eggshells, you know, because obviously that's a, that's a B-rating jail. Um, and you know, when I when I got to Marguerite, there's a lot, lot of good boys there. It was, it was, there was a good bunch of boys there, you know. And um, um, when I got there, I had to walk on eggshells because obviously the officers at Marguerite they they didn't want me there at the start when I first got there because I think it was for it, their hand their hand was forced to take me because MOU didn't know where to put me. I put I put my head in and. Obviously, start training, and that's that's where you know that's where I pretty much finished off my jail sentence, and I end up doing the next four years there at Marguerite. And obviously, Marguerite's a Marguerite's a good jail, bro. Like, you know, you get you, you get put in a lodge there, and you, you have cook you kind of proper cook ups. You get you get a like an IGA spend. I mean, I was in a five man lodge, so you get two hundred and forty dollars between five years. And obviously, you know, you, in the in the lodge, you know, you all eat together, so everyone's eating the same, and you have someone allocated that you know he's gonna he's gonna be the cook and he's gonna do this he's gonna do that, so it's um long it was, way a, from it was another taste of closer to freedom again you know yeah yeah long way from Port Phillip eh? long way <laughs> from Port Phillip bro like <laughs> at, at least the, at least the chicken that comes there you, it looks like real chicken all right man well um man like you've said man so you're out now man you know wrapped for your brother absolutely wrapped that you're out man you've been out um but over a month now. Um, obviously, you know, you've had, you went through a lot of changes, um, 
you know, after having uh, gone into prison, you know, Bandido and um, definitely known as a staunch bloke in there, bro. You know what I mean? A, a real stand-up bloke while, um, while you were in there, man. So I guess what changed for you, man, to sort of um, lead you up into, you know, what you're doing now, man, and being the family, man. And, bro, even just jumping on here, brother, you know what I mean? It's a huge step, man, you know? So, I mean, when did that sort of, um, when did that sort of start getting into well, motion yeah. for you? Well, two two years two years out two years out from being released, like two years out from my earliest in prison, I um like I parted ways with the Bandettos. Obviously, um, I you know uh, me and my dad and a, a lot of other members, um, we weren't happy with the way the club was going. They had a, they had a couple of members coming from another club and started running things their own way, and so. Two years, two years out from my earliest, I pulled, I pulled the pin on the bikey world. And in saying that, like with the Banditos, Australia wide, I, I got, I got mad respect for, I got mad respect for a lot of the brothers there. A lot, lot of, lot of respect for a lot of the brothers there. It was just down here in Victoria, uh, two blokes come in and they started running their own way, and they, they weren't doing it the Bandito way. They weren't doing it the, they weren't doing it the way that I was, that I was taught to do it. And when I got, obviously when I was Sergeant of Melbourne, they, they definitely weren't doing it that way. And so I, I just had enough, bro. I wasn't, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna put my name to something, you know, in Victoria that was running away that I that I didn't respect, bro. So, I mean, we we all we all pulled away from it. Me, and my father, and a lot, a few close friends, and um, a couple of them people went to different clubs. And I just wanted to, obviously, like I said before, in, when we we're talking, I get along with everyone, bro. I don't care what colour you are. I don't care what gang you affiliated with. You know, you're good to me. I'm good to you, bro. And um, obviously, after I parted ways with the Bandieros, I just wanted to, I, that's I just wanted to be me, bro. And if you're good to me, I, I don't want to have to feel I can't talk to you or because you're associated with them or you're so I, I want to be good with everyone, bro. So I mean, it start the, my, my my way of thinking started two years out before I got released. And um, obviously, now being released, obviously it's still I'm still thinking the same way. Um, I got like I got mad respect for the boys that are. I got mad respect for the boys that are living that life, and and like like I said at at that time back before I got locked up, it, you know, it, I was happy in that life too. But for me now, I think my son my son now he's uh, sixteen. When I went to jail, he was he was eight. I mean, I I went to I went to jail buying him before I went to jail. I was obviously buying him Lego and the toys, and then I, I get out and he's telling me about his girlfriend. You know, so it's a it's a completely different. It's a completely different outlook, like from his life, and I think him 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 losing me for eight years, and that like I said, two years out, him, him losing me for that time, I, I knew that I I owe it to him, bro. You know, I got to lead by example, so I started reconnecting. You know, obviously just before I got out, I started reconnecting with the boys that I was close with through the boxing world. My old boxing trainer, Dave Hegarty, oh, yeah. nice. Andrew Woodall. I started, you know. Well, I mean, they they're always supportive of me, even when I was doing things that they didn't agree with. But um, then obviously, you know, that's that's what I've got out now, and that's where I want to put my focus and my energy into the boxing gym. And we, there's a lot of good young fighters down there. Uh, we've got Daniel Roberts down there, who's an up and coming professional fighter, and he's he's five and zero. And I want I want to put my time in there and give back to you know that that's my way of. I mean, we can't um. We we can't make up for what's happened and 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 the and what we done and why we went to jail. We we can't make up for that. But all I can do from here on is be the be a better person, be there for my son and show him by example that 
you know, like, doesn't matter that, you know, we fucked up, we can't change, bro. Yeah, no, that's right, man. I mean, um, yeah, man, even nowadays, man, like I've been out for, you know, a couple of years now. I always think about those days in Charlotte, man. I always think back to them and fuck, bro, I just look around and just grateful you can just open that door there, mate, you know what I mean? You can just walk out, bro, because, you know, I mean, we've got mates that are still down there, bro, you know, and, um, yeah, you know, they're still stuck down there. And um, so, yeah, man, always, I always just appreciate that this freedom on their behalf as well man you know for the ones that they, 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 they don't have a choice you know they gotta be they gotta be stuck in there you know so yeah 100 brother and uh you know i mean i, I feel for all of them bro you know the jail jail's not a good place bro and you know i mean i say to any young kids out there thinking about you know joining bikey clubs or going down the wrong path you know just uh you know just take take advice from boys like us bro man you and the other boys that have been on your show and and just anyone out there that you know they can they can speak to and listen to about what it's really like in there, bro. Because as you know, before you go in there, when you're when you're in that when you're in that scene in that world, I mean, prison's glorified a bit. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's a it's, I mean, it's not it's not a badge of honor at the time when when you're in that people that are in that game they they sort of wear it as a badge of honor. But any, any young kid like thinking about doing that sort of thing or you know you know if I mean yeah. To you know, to people's credit, to a lot, a lot of blokes don't have choices, bro. Like I said before, you know, a lot of people don't have support. A lot of people, you now there's blokes out there with no, no families and this and that. So I just feel my heart goes out to them, bro, because I feel sorry for them, bro, because some people only have one choice in life: how to do things, bro. You know, and as you know, it, it always ends up bad. You end up dead. You end up in jail. And any any young kid that can avoid going down that path or to a bikey lifestyle, like myself, I, I could have. When I look back now, I could have avoided that, bro. I didn't obviously I boxed, I was a professional athlete all my life. I didn't have to go down that path, but I, you know, I, I chose to go down that path, and it, it didn't end up good for me, bro. So, I mean, if you if you can avoid that, avoid it, you know, man, brother. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. And you know, I might be looked at as a badge of honor in that world, man. But I mean, um, it's a it's a slippery slope in in prison, man. You know, like me and you, we can we can share our stories of what it was like in jail for us you know but for a lot of people it, 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 our experiences of jail it, it's not like that you know a lot of people um end up getting beat up in there mate you know yeah. what i mean a lot of people end up in protection man a lot of people end up in drug debts man getting taken out um you know our, our stories of how we walked in prison it's not a common yeah. story you know what i mean yeah, I, that, no, that, no. that's exactly right but like obviously you know you, you get um Blokes who, um, you know, I don't want to say high caliber, but people, you know, people like ourselves, we can we can hold our own, bro, and yeah. we can hold our own on our own, and we obviously got friends, and we're we're liked in the system, but uh, yeah, like you said, bro, a lot of a lot of young kids end up in protection and getting the shoes taken off them, and yeah, you know I mean, things things happen, bro. You know, jail's not jail's not for everyone, bro, and I mean, even us people that. We you know we do our job pretty easy. It's, it's not for us either, brother. You know, and um, it's not for anyone. But yeah, like you said, the blokes that are you know young kids, and yeah, they find they especially especially young kids going there with a drug habit. And next minute they're chasing drugs. Next minute, like you said, they got debts. And a lot of lot of kids, are, a lot of kids, I would say, are in protection that probably don't need to be in protection. They're, they're, I mean, they're not dogs. They haven't lagged on anyone. They they probably you know they have they haven't done anything wrong by the by the rules of the game, but. It's just that, like you said, prison's not for them, bro, and they end up in there, bro. And yeah, it's just not, it's just not a good place, bro. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, the strong survive there, and that's it, bro. You know. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, man, my brother, man, 
thanks for taking the time out, man, for jumping on the show, man. Honestly, Bala, I appreciate it, man. Straight up, a fucking rap to have you on here, man, to, to share a bit of your story. And, um, bro, you know, a lot, a lot, you speaking your truth, man, it's going to speak to a lot of people out there, man. So, um, bro, nothing but love and respect, man. I mean, um, bro, is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap it up, Bala? No, bro, I just want to thank you, bro, for giving me the opportunity to, you know, speak on the show. You know, I've been following your show since I've been out, bro, and uh, I'd heard about it when I was locked up. And, uh, yeah, no, thank you, brother, and um, mad respect for you, brother, what you're doing over there and what you're doing for the brothers and giving, giving the brothers a voice, you know, to get their story out there, bro. It's just, um, like you said, bro, if, if one of our stories can help a young kid from not going through the same experiences we have and everyone's got a different experience, if, you know, one of these, you know, if we can help one kid, you know, we've done our job, haven't we, bro? And I've got mad respect for you, brother, what you're doing. Yeah, no, nah, mad respect for you too, my brother. Um, man, wishing you all the best on your endeavours at the moment, man, with the family, with the boxing stuff, man. Um, yeah, man, just wishing you all the best in your life, man, and I'm uh, hoping that you make it off the roll when you do. And, um, yeah, man, just be able to move forward in your life, brother. Much love and much respect, brother. Thanks, brother.